This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guests are Hawa Hassan and Felipe Donnelly. Hawa is the founder of Best Best and author of the upcoming book, In Bibi's Kitchen. Felipe is chef owner of Brooklyn's Colonia Verde Restaurant. Hawa and Felipe's partnership has helped feed a city and a movement. Coming up, their thoughts on gratitude, fellowship, and the power of showing up. We're back Friday with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Hawa and Felipe. How did you guys converge and and become a, a sort of joint operation? Felipe, you want to start? Uh, sure. I mean, I, I think the the straight up beginning was um, we know we know Hawa from the neighborhood. We knew Hawa from uh, from the restaurant, um, and since the beginning for, for, for a long time. She's been um, a regular, if, you, if, if there is a word that you could possibly give a regular, I think how it wins it all the way through. Um, and, uh, and so we just, you know, hit it off immediately. It was, uh, very, very, very quick and, and easy to, to get along with how So when the quarantine started, she shot uh, me and, and Tammy a message. Like, is there any way that we can um, help with the surplus food that we have? in the fridge um, and, you know, cook something up for the rest, you know, for the hospitals that we can do like a big stew or something. Um, and that's really well, where, where it started. And I remember at that moment being so overwhelmed, being like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess we could do this too. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do this. And then, um, and then when we opened the store, uh, the Colonia Go uh, marketplace essentially was when we started the uh, buy a meal program. And so that's where it all just kicked off and, and how it just kind of was the ambassador to that. She took, com- took complete ownership and made it happen. And, and, and since it's become an absolute part of Colonia Verde through and through. Howard, this isn't a, a narrative I've heard yet. Like you literally reached out to a restaurant you like to go to and offered yourself up as a good neighbor. Yeah, well... More than a good neighbor, I had friends in Felipe and Tammy. And so I knew that even if they didn't want to do something like this, even if they, you know, Felipe genuinely did respond and he responded right away. And his, I still have the text. He said, F yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. And then, you know, a week later, it was like, it was a real thing. But I knew that even if they didn't have the capacity to get involved, that they would help me no matter what. Yeah, we were, we were even talking about like, I don't know, maybe just get you like the raw ingredients and whatever it is you need, like let's just make something happen. But yeah, I remember that at the beginning, just being so overwhelmed mentally, being I don't even know like if we have the, the cooks to work or the, anybody, the, we can open the door again right now to like make this happen. So it was, it was a beautiful thing to, to be able to work together. And as how it was said, you know, it was more than just a relationship of, uh, of a regular. It was a friend. It was definitely somebody reaching out who cared. Somebody who was reaching out was like, how can I help you guys that are going through all this craziness right now? And, um, and you know, it's, it's, it is what it is now. It's just a beautiful friendship. And the, the, I'll say this too. The thing that Tammy, Felipe, and myself share um, is that we're all doers. And I think we all have different strengths. And so it was an easy collaboration because we have Tammy who can, 
who can literally organize us and get things done. We have me who can go out in the field and distribute. We have Felipe who's in the kitchen and can cook, you know? So we all really did lean on each other and leaned into what we were good at. And that's why it was, it was seamless. And it still is very seamless. 100%. Tell me about what you guys have built together. Share with our, our listeners what Colonia Verde offers now. We uh, basically had to make a, a huge change in the business immediately um, when, when the quarantine started. Um, and it was one of those, just the, those survival modes that just kick in. Um, so we essentially, uh, within a week, turned our restaurant into an, an e-commerce, if you will, for, for, any, for lack of better words. Um, and we turned everything into marketplace. So we started selling our food, but, you know, pre-cooked so that you can finish it off your house and you, you, we'd send everything, uh, cold or frozen so that you'd be able to bake, you know, our pan de queijo in your home. You'd be able to cook your food at your home. Um, and the idea was, was, um, you know, everybody's stuck at your house. Everybody wants to eat. Um, and everybody wants to cook. And so there's the opportunity to kind of give you an opportunity to cook. The extremely interesting part of what happened with the quarantine was that everybody wanted to help as well. And, and, and there was a huge outreach of people um, very generously wanting to be a part of something. I wanted to be a part of their people calling, like, I can cook, I can run, I, we can do whatever it is that you need. Um, and so the, what that turned into was let's stay healthy but let's just have that, that part of what you want to do and be able to buy meals and help the restaurant because you're giving us that money so that we, we can continue supporting our staff and continue employing our people and being able to also send meals to the hospitals, send meals uh, to Harlem, send meals to the people that need it. You know? And I think that was, um, that was a part that really struck a chord in many people. And it was, we just... Uh, Started getting a lot of meals uh, purchased directly through uh, the restaurant. It was really nice. And how? Where were you delivering these things to? Every day, I would I would turn on Instagram and and see you just hustling and lifting boxes and moving things. I think I saw you pick up a car once. <laughs> you're you're strong. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so our first our first partnership was with the hospital in our neighborhood, which is Brooklyn Hospital. So we were going through uh, doctors who work in the infectious disease uh, center there in the infectious disease department. And then we expanded to a friend called Harmon and his group at SUNY Downstate. And then Har Harmon moved over to King's Hospital. So we moved with him. Um, and then we found out that Brotherhood Sister Soul, which is a justice nonprofit in Harlem, that usually feeds that usually does a program with children in their neighborhood from the age of 18 or the age of 8 to 21 was experiencing some food shortage they've turned into a pantry now for their community so then we started delivering food to them which was honestly probably more than we had the capacity to do we were doing about 400 meals every wednesday um, and then we partnered with an lgbtq group uh, from the FIG organization, and they had been picking up food themselves from us. So I think at last count, we were about either at five or six company groups that we were partnering with. And, you know, it was just the word of mouth. There was a need 
and people would get in touch. And the more people saw on social media what we were doing, the more folks wanted to just either donate money. We created a partnership with just friends and family where they can sponsor. At the beginning, we were doing 300 meals a week. So we were like, buy 300 meals? We, we don't know. You know, it was a lot of trial and error. And I think that the beauty of it was that we were very clear on one thing, that we wanted to spend in the gap for people we knew needed us. And the rest just kind of took care of itself from there. What kind of food did you guys want to do? Felipe, you're, um, you grew up all over the place. You were born in Spain, lived in Colombia, Mexico, and Brazil. How are you from Somalia? So how, do, how does that translate into uh, coherent cuisine? Extremely well. I mean, uh, it's, it's amazing how the, 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 the flavors can... Um, can really just act so well together. Like uh, we, we did, so we, we started with uh, a Colombian soup, which is an ajiaco, um, which is super hearty. So we were in the middle of, of March and you needed hearty food. You needed something like really nice and a stew, something just big. And, uh, and that was like our first delivery, right? And then uh, we talked to how and she's releasing, by the way, this amazing cookbook uh, which I will drop. I'll do the drop. <laughs> Go pre-order on Amazon right now. Um, this amazing cookbook that we just took a recipe from and uh, added it to our marketplace, and we started sending out that um, that uh, that meal out. That stew, because I mean, it's not even it's not even a stew. It's just a it's a meal with rice and. Everything. Please get, tell me the name, Hawa. They got day. Exactly. Um, and it was beautiful, but it's flavors and it's ingredients that we had in our pantry. It's flavors and ingredients that we're very used to, and it played so well with, uh, with what we're already doing. So it was not even a far-fetched step. It was, it was close to home, which goes to show how cultures can really interact so well uh, from totally different places. That's cool. How are the books called in, in BB's Kitchen? And, and full disclosure, I wrote a blurb for the back of the book and I've read it and it's amazing. I think it's uh, a good thing to have grandmother wisdom with you during a pandemic. What did you know from reporting your book that helped you during this time? Um, that I'm interested in looking for the helpers. Um, I think that grandmothers are oftentimes helpers, right? There are people who assist us even when we don't know we need it. And so in this thing, for me, I was really interested in seeing who could help and who had the capacity, right? Like you get into a pandemic, there's nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetime. So I didn't want to be holding hands with people who needed handholding. I wanted people who themselves were in position to assist others and to do it with kindness, and I think that for me, in regards to grandmothers, that's always been very clear for me. As someone who didn't grow up with her grandmother, I think it's always been very clear to me that when I have most felt my best and seen and loved has always been at the feet of a woman who was a lot older than me, oftentimes over a meal. And so um, the babies I know are people who will advise you to look for the helpers in time of echo. And that's what I took with me. I love the book. I also, it's also an interesting time for grandmothers and elderly people during COVID, like especially vulnerable. And, and, and I know some of those babies would have liked to have been in the kitchen themselves helping. Yeah. 
we actually we partnered with um with a with a Malaysian restaurant um, from my friend Muli's restaurant in in uh, in Chinatown. They're doing incredible work in food. sure Kopitiam and Heart Heart of Dinner. Yeah, we had them on the show. She's amazing. Oh my God, she's she's so incredible. Her and her team are so resilient, and so we've been del- we've been delivering soup to them every week and or every other week or so, and they've been repurposing them. You know, she's like she's brought up things that were even that I hadn't even thought about, you know? If you're donating a can of tuna to a senior citizen in that neighborhood, they're like, I don't even know how to open this. Cause it's not <laughs> something they normally eat, you know? And so she said things like getting soup is nice because people have dentures and it's just softer on their, on their tummies. It's easier for them to repurpose it. So it's, it's been not only a trying time, but it's also been a learning curve in a lot of ways, you know? Soup is a big winner. I don't have dentures, and somebody brought me some soup the other day, and it was it was just the most welcome gesture. Mm. Soup is always for warming the heart. Yeah. So as as we've moved away from the colder months, and as you know, the COVID infection rates going down, and as New York City is gripped by protests and boarded up shops and brutal cops and racial injustice what's the role of of what you're doing now how how does this change that or advance that um i think it's it is nor i think the change is there uh, not necessarily advancement i think it's it's it is we have we're going to continue to do what we do right i think we're going to continue to um to help feed people right now um, I would love to. I, I would love to say that there won't be a food crisis, but the food crisis is coming. It's in, and it's well on its way. I think we now is a moment where we most need to continue doing what we're doing. And I think that um, in helping uh, the community, we're already trying uh, a lot. And I think that we continue to support. Uh, amazing foundations like Brotherhood, Sister Soul. You are also working strong with um, with a group that needs the attention right now, and I think that that is definitely something that we want to continue supporting and continue being a part of. You've positioned yourself to do ongoing social justice work when it comes to food, right? Right, and I think that that was something that um, uh, with with how was help, no doubt we set we had that set up even before um all this started and we're going to continue to do so and hopefully do it even harder um in the future how what's going on with boss boss i haven't i have a job i'm feeding the community like i don't know no i'm um i know (laughs) (laughs) i don't even know anymore um we're back ordered you know there's been there's been a lot of support behind it recently and honestly, for me, the first two months of this pandemic, it felt so trivial to be thinking about my business and to be thinking about the bottom line. So I did let a lot of things just slip. Um, but now we have an operations person who's incredible, and she's doing a lot of the work that I wasn't able to do and can't do anymore, frankly. Um, so we're growing. We have four more condiments coming out. They were supposed to come out around Christmas time and we had to push it back because of changing facilities. And then now we've pushed it back even more because a lot of our lids come from China. You know, it, 
COVID really did affect everything, but I'm thankful because it made me rethink ways to be effective in regards to my message and my business. I started my business to have a conversation and it's always been community centered. And now it's like, okay, naturally, you know, when people say, what are you doing? I always say feeding my community. What are you doing? You know? Um, so but best best is it's going, it's always going to go. I'm, I'm pivoting and we're going to continue to pivot and it'll continue to survive. Thrive. It's, it's good to have something good in the jar when there's a pandemic. I will, I will say that I definitely, <laughs> you know, enjoyed my share of, of best best during, during this time. It's hard when it's on back order, how I, <laughs> it's, it's hard it's hard that you've gotten so popular well okay for howie's listener <laughs> hopefully he doesn't cut this out <laughs> i became friends in 2015 i think yeah which is someone at hot bread kitchen told me about you yeah and then you you sent me an email and i was like this, this is weird because at that time it wasn't like press was checking for me Right, 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 right. You're like, who is this weird guy? What does what does he want with with my sauce? And I remember, like, you kind of vetted the situation, and we did. Uh, we met through a podcast. You're my first ever podcast friend. Yep, and I did live from Prince Street with you, and then you got us into Dean and Deluca. Yeah, what about what Dean and Deluca? They oh, they, they, they they bowed out before the pandemic. <laughs> they didn't even wait to see if they could get through it. Everyone doesn't make it to the pandemic. Let That's alone. true. That's true. Talk to me about gratitude and how this is something that you're good at, at framing. How important is it to, to have and feel and find gratitude when times are hard like this? I mean, for me, it's not only the core of who I am, not, not just even in a pandemic, but every day, you know, um, I think that even in regards to the times we're going through, what people are realizing is that black people are resilient people who get up every day and show up. That can't happen without a lot of prayer and altars and again, grandmothers and mothers who pray on your behalf, right? And so for me, it is, I cannot imagine waking up and not feeling immersed great gratitude for having made it through the day before and excited for the day ahead, you know? And so I think you and I were talking about this yesterday or day before um, about my daily prayer and my mantras. And they are not only my stepping stones, but they're a guide in regards to the way that I move in my life. You know, it's if I get off of this track that has me going that way, if I'm saying, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be able to be in position to have these conversations, to be able to serve, even serving our community. I say to myself every day, what a joy it is to know Tammy and Felipe. Had I not known them, I don't know what I would have done. I would have gotten my friends together. Maybe we would have cooked in my house. Maybe we would have served 20 meals a day. I don't know. But it's, it's a joy to be in position. And my gratitudes are, they're my lifeline, you know? I hope that makes sense. It makes sense to me. Felipe, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I think gratitude is something that it's a part of uh, who we are, um, especially as a family and as a family unit. And then through this pandemic, through uh, what's happening right now, even more so, 
um, being able to hold on to that family unit is something that's um, become the utmost important part of, of waking up every day um, and the most difficult as well. And um, being able to express any sort of gratitude to be able to wake up and be healthy and be together is, um, is, is, is absolute key. And I think that uh, uh, to what I was saying, being able to then give back to that, to the community, the, the neighbors, the people that, that surround you, the people that make where you are and where you live possible just as much as, is, is, I mean, it's, it's, it is a true, um, it is a true welcome every day to be able to, to, to give back. And I think that that is gratitude is, is just a, is a small part of being able to do that. And, and, and I hope that, you know, through all of this, we all become a little bit more gracious uh, and a little bit more uh, understanding of what gratitude really means. And I think that that's the, of anything that is probably going to be one of the most positive things that we're going to get out of all of this. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel at, at this point, or are we still deep in, in the darkness of 2020? Uh, I, obvi- we obvi- I, mean, I don't think any of us really know yet, um, but for a, a complete understanding of, for a complete understanding of what's going to happen in 2020, we have to be in 2021. But right now, we there is a huge part that is and, and i think that's it's it's a gratefulness of being part of and being and living in the center of it and leave, living in brooklyn being able to see what happened to brooklyn with the pandemic and what is happening to brooklyn right now with the po- with the protests um that it is if if you don't see light right now then you're not looking out the window you know i think that that's the most important part is like you can see what is actually happening and the change that is happening and the and the beauty in everything that's happening right now it's it's there and it's very present and i think that that's what we have to hold on to and and continue forward no matter what happens i think that that is the 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 biggest part how where do you muster the energy to, to keep going gratitude like the ability to live in this country the ability to be a person who is a green card holder um, to know that I matter, you know, to know that I am enough, to know that I have lived in this neighborhood for 15 years and I have people who see me for exactly who I am. You know, I, I can't show up to Kelowna Verde if the chefs don't show up. So like, it's like, damn, they're depending on me. I got to get there, you know? And sometimes I'm like 30 minutes late. It's like, (laughs) you know, like, I show up because it's a requirement. You know, I, I wish I didn't have to muster up the energy if I'm being honest. I wish I could stay home and be on Instagram live all day. I wish my business could have pivoted. Um, but the bottom line for me is my community and I'm thankful to be in a place to interact with them in the way that I have through this pandemic. I think I, I just want to ask like the last question that I usually ask, but is there anything else that we didn't cover that you guys want to? Um, I think that we should be very cognizant of what's happening. You know, 92% of the cases um, were people of color. One in four children in New York City are going to go hungry or are going hungry. You know, these are bigger problems than the pandemic. There is an an institution that does not serve its citizens. And 
I hope that the people that are listening to this get real about what it is that they're contributing to. And, you know, November is right around the corner and state elections are right around the corner. So educate yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think this pandemic has held a mirror up to everybody, and it's 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 a time for reckoning. If this if this pandemic and now what's happening now in the wake of these murders doesn't teach you something about race, doesn't make you reflect on what race is in this country and how it affects people and especially black people, you did the pandemic wrong. And also, like, just get really clear on where you're at, right? So if you don't know enough, there are resources. So many resources. Yeah. If you're uncomfortable, good. Like, it's a privilege to be uncomfortable. You know, sit with that. Have conversations. Think about it. Order the books. Read them. Talk to your family members. You know, to be uncomfortable is the least of your worries right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited, too, that there's some good work about race and restaurants that are gonna, that's going to come out of this, too. Our friend Osai Endelin announced yesterday that she has a book coming out about just that. And it's just kind of one of these things where that's already part of the resource guide. You know, put it on those lists now. It, it's going to be, what, 18 months until it's written or, or something. But put it on the list. Yeah, or amplify voices like Osai. She's yeah. important, you know, and she, she has a lot to say. You know, she has a lot to say about what's going on, and maybe she could be a good resource if you're willing to pay her for her voice. Guys, the show's called Takeaway Only. From each of you, what's your big takeaway from hustling and being active and being activists through this pandemic and through this time? Everybody has the power. Even if you don't know it and you don't think you have the resources, you have them. Listen to it. Listen to what other people are saying. And in the words of, uh, of Patti Smith, Use your voice. Hawa? Uh, mine would be what I've been saying through this whole thing, which is do what you can from where you are with what you have. That's it. Solid. You're so good at refining the message. <laughs> you really are. Thank you so much for being here, both of you. I appreciate you. I appreciate your work. Thank you, Howie. Thank you, Howie. That was Hawa Hassan and Felipe Donnelly. You can follow Hawa on Instagram at Hawa underscore 22, and you can follow Felipe's work at Colonia Verde. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Rob Corso, Casey Kahn, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe at Beeples. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community-building work at welcomeconference.org. War Back Friday. This is Takeaway Only.